Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Chalantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. You are listening to The Magic of Boundaries, episode 144 with Emer Zone. But before we jump into today's amazing episode, a word from our sponsor, Living the Good Life Naturally Magnesium. This is my go-to brand for transdermal or on-the-skin magnesium supplementation. Transdermally is the easiest way and most effective way you can absorb the magnesium into your body. Things like your stress level, your diet, and so many other factors go into your magnesium burn rate. If you want to learn more about this, listen to episode 73 of Witchy Wellness Radio and make sure to go to Living the Good Life Naturally's website in the show notes and use code Witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y, for 10% off of your purchase. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 144, The Magic of Boundaries with Emer Zone. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I am your host, Lauren Chalantani, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, but actually leading the way. And today we have the beautiful Emer Zone, and she is here to talk all about the magic of boundaries and creating sacred space, which I know we all need. She is a confidence coach and author of the little book of Good Enough, an impact-focused guide to help readers quiet their inner critic, release themselves from depletion and self-doubt, and ultimately own their worth. In her coaching, she takes a values-first approach to help clients uncover what they truly want to be in life before digging, digging in, throwing rocket fuel on a spark their passion, helping them build challenge over comfort muscle and a pathway to their full potential. She is trained as an energy coach with the IPEC School of Coaching and weaves energy work into her coaching and teaching. She's a native of Dublin, Ireland, and now lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico with her husband and three teenage children. She is an avid runner and ran her first marathon in 2019, celebrating her 50th to celebrate her 50th birthday and is now currently toying around the idea of Iron Woman or Iron Man. I love that. I think I can see it. I can see you doing an Iron Woman. <laughs> you can see. I've, I just, I'm quite competitive, you see. And my yeah. brother is an Iron Man. Oh. And uh, so he like will downplay the whole marathon thing. He's like, oh, that's just the jog that we do at the end of the real work. So I'm like, ooh. But I do, I do like a challenge. But it's lovely to be here with you. And oh, thank you for that likewise. lovely introduction. Of course, of course. I know I love reading everybody's bio at the beginning. Because I'm like, oh, I'm even more excited to like dive into our conversations here today. And you're with like-minded women here who are probably also very comp- competitive. And at the root of it, so many of us, it c- comes down to the confidence and, se- and self and boundaries, not self boundaries, but boundaries in general, and being able to, like we said, create that sacred space. And I would love to hear your own journey because I'm sure there's some beautiful hero's journey of how you got to, to write a book on this. 
And and like so many people's journeys, particularly women's, it's mm-hmm. very circuitous. And as you shared um, in the bio, I am a mom of three kids. I am living in a country that is not where I was born or grew up. Um, so I have been sort of bouncing around through careers in geographical locations and juggling motherhood and everything that comes with it. And I think really, you know, from you know, the earliest that I can remember, I'm one of seven kids and I had a stay at home mom and growing up, I was like very sort of like, well, why isn't, you know, why isn't she working apart from the fact that she had seven children? So how really could she have done it? But she shared with me that when she was, um, you know, a young woman and she got married, like she had to give up her job. I mean, you couldn't keep your job. And I was going, oh my God, I would have been outside of parliament protesting. Um, That's just not on. And, um, you know, so it's very forthright. And although I didn't study law initially, I did find my way after, you know, I worked in tech for a while. Um, I used to sell software, travel around the world a lot, presenting to lots of people, talking about technical stuff. Um, And I loved that. And I loved being with a great group of people and working for great companies. But, and I think I liked the sort of presenting part and the connecting part. Um, and But it wasn't really true core what I wanted to do. And I think you find that out by doing lots of different things and learning I like a bit of this. And then when I was in um, a meeting and I've been a negotiator and they would say to me, well, you can't actually negotiate the final deal, Emer, because we need a lawyer for that. And I was like, what? I'm sure I could work that out. So anyway, that irritated me. So I went and I studied law um, and qualified in law. And um, I did a lot of work then on discrimination law. And uh, I happened to, I found myself in the employment law department of a major law firm in the UK. And it was interesting because we were representing um, the corporations. And so we're dealing with lots of cases of you know, sex discrimination and, um, you know, injustice and issues in the workplace. And I looked around and I saw, wow, there's like one female partner. (laughs) And uh, it just wasn't an environment, even that in the employment law department, where women were taking up a lot of space. And there was a lot of um, behavior that I noticed in um, a lot of the ambitious younger women, because this is like a second career for me at that stage, just beginning to have kids, that they were sort of denying parts of themselves so that they could be this engine of billable hours and make associate and make partner. And it all seemed very, um, you know, unattractive to me in many ways, that people were negating part of, you know, who they were were to get things that they thought that they wanted. And for many of these women, they they found themselves um, transitioning out of that environment as the demands of life and the wants of life, what they really wanted, um, wasn't really on offer in those environments. And so although I had this very strong interest in, you know, injustice or justice for women and equality and how can we make this system work because as it is right here even in the employment law department of a major law firm they're not getting it right um so how if you were how do we create that space um 
And so I found myself in America through um, my husband's sort of moving and that sort of upset my career and what will I do now? And um, couldn't practice or be involved in law. And so I um, started a social enterprise um, that was focused on um, women's rights and supporting women. I was very interested in the work of the Global Fund for Women and I wanted to support them. So I started you know, designing and um, T-shirts with sort of very empowering messaging on them and um, connecting with women artisans um, through organizations around the world and selling those kind of products online and giving a percentage to the Global Fund for Women and became very sort of active sort of politically and very interested in lots of things. But I found that, you know, looking at things externally, like how can we fix all of the things externally, um, was going to take a long time. <laughs> and so as interested as I was in law, as interested as I was in, you know, you know, changing the world from that sort of out shaking up things from the outside, you know, I was being more and more reflective inwardly and saying, you know, what about, you know, where can we, where are the winds here that don't take massive societal change? And for me, that was about how do we undermine ourselves? What are the barriers that we're putting in our own way? Where are we, um, you know, where are we really sabotaging ourselves? And for me, it was that story of self-doubt and I'm not good enough and I can't do this. And I've been working through some of that just by going, I know, I'll set up a business. I'll set up an online, I'll do this, I'll do that. And being creative and exploring. Um, but at the same time, I knew that, you know, that voice, you know, was had been really noisy. And I was going, you know, I, that's a big problem. I think that probably hurts women more than anything externally. And I thought if we could do that, I said, if I could help there, that would propel, that would really propel me. And as for so many of it, it's the internal journey that we then think, I'm not that unique, much as I like to think we're all unique and very special. And we are, but these challenges are not. And so when I wrote the book, The Little Book of Good Enough, I was really writing it for myself. It was my journey that I'd been through. I started, you know, exploring, going to conferences. Um, I'm sure you know Gabrielle Bernstein. I saw her on a stage somewhere in um, uh, when I was in L.A. for um a more of a commercial online sort of event that was being held there. And she took to the stage and I was going, who is this? And the next thing I found myself in New York at the Spirit Junkies Masterclass for a weekend of wonderful magic um, and was experiencing a whole other level and community of people who I found like I love their energy. And I just felt like this is this is really interesting. And, and so I wrote the book really for myself and for any woman who had has felt is prone to that doubt of, I don't think I can. I'm not good enough. Um, and through this series of, you know, I wanted to make it really impactful and a short read because, I mean, you, you can see because we're on camera, like, I like, you know, there's lots and lots of books behind me here and there's around. But when I was younger in my 20s, um, I was out having fun, partying and working. And I was not 
you know, I probably hadn't read anything major since like college. Um, and so I, you know, would buy the books from the personal development area and I would read a little bit of it. Um, boom, they weren't getting finished. So when I wrote the little book of Good Enough, apart from the fact that I was able to write it quite quickly because it wasn't like the, the large tome of everything you ever need to know, I just, my objective was if I can get her when she's like feeling down, you know, in that moment that you're thinking I can't and you read the book, by the time you're finished and it should only take you under 40 minutes, you know, that you will have a mindset shift an energetic shift. And I didn't train to be a coach until after I'd written that book. Um, and I, it got a good reception and I would get contacted by people then walk it, you know, basically looking for more. Um, and that's when, um, you know, I was again, following that path that led me to uh, train with IPEC and they do this core energy coaching that they call it and I was going wow and I found myself in Denver at a kickoff for training to be a coach and nine months later and I think that was nearly two years ago um I mean working as a coach and really coaching through that lens of energy and really interested in that particularly helping people in that area of self-doubt and and really taking up space in the world which I think is so important for women and to do that, you know, obviously that led me then to working on areas of boundaries because I was finding lots of people who went, I didn't have time and putting themselves last. So that's where that came from. So I'll come up for air now because I feel like I'm just talking, talking, yes, talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, you were on a roll. That's a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing. I think for myself and so many other women realizing that just their, their career path, but their life path, trying different things on is okay. So many of my friends, you know, are down on themselves because, you know, maybe they spent their whole, you know, since undergrad or high school, you know, getting a doctorate or, you know, becoming a lawyer, these professional careers and getting there and going, what did I do? You know, and I think that's for me, I see that as part of the divine feminine here, being able to be okay to play around in different areas and, and, and taking what you need. And your your journey is a beautiful example of that to uncover, you know, all those things had to happen for you to become who you are today, to be able to write that book, to be able to become an energy coach. And I mean, it's a good reminder for us all. It's a good reminder for me right now. Like I always joke, I have people on my show, so I hear what I need to hear, right? <laughs> it's like energetically, I was like, oh, mm, she's talking to me. I know she is, but she really is. <laughs> I, and I think, and I feel for people as well, particularly in, um, you know, America where the cost of education is enormous. I mean, I'm the mother of a college student now, but he's actually attending college in Europe. Um, and it's significantly more accessible. It's just normal. You know, it doesn't, it's like if you're living in Dublin, you're sending your child to college. It's like 8,000 euro a year. Top universities. So when you're talking about, you know, that investment, I mean, it's not just financial, obviously somebody's made a choice and then they get to a point and they kind of go, I'm not sure. 
Um, but it's a huge investment here in the States, a lot of money. And, and so doing a pivot can seem like the, that it's an enormous obstacle, but, but it's a long old road to, to take a career and say that that's all I'm going to do. And you wake up every day and you're going to be giving, um, you know, your incredible energy to a process, to a company, um, and it impacts you in all of the other areas. Just such a big ripple effect. If you are unhappy in an area of your life, and particularly if it's your career that takes up such an enormous amount of time. Um, and I coach a number of people who are, you know, at midlife and they're kind of going, oh, I, it's just not. And then when you meet younger people who are maybe in their 20s and kind of going, I'm not... You know, I feel like I made a mistake or I want to change. And it's, it's like, it's okay. You know, life is just a big menu. And it's, it really is a big game. And, and you're here to play and be joyful. And um, your people routinely underestimate how powerful they are and, and what they have to offer. And it isn't just one, one company. It isn't just one profession. Um, and we're here to explore the whole thing. I mean, I'm 52 now. When I'm done and dusted, I want to make sure that, you know, it's like kind of coming to the finishing line. You don't want to discover that you, oh, I, I never checked in this pocket and finding treasure. You know, we're here to find all the treasure before the time's up. And I like to instill that kind of urgency on people going, now, now is where the energy is. Now is where we really want to, you know, feel fulfilled. And that should be a joyful experience continually and that is not something that is elusive it's it's a birthright actually mm -hmm. and for me I mean my whole life was spent what do I need to do to get into a good college you know as a whole is good you know teaches hard work dedication focus but during my college graduation I had my first massive panic attack because I had spent my whole well, retroactively now 10 plus years ago, <laughs> um, realizing I spent my whole life preparing for that moment and not actually preparing for my life, you know, what, what I should be doing. So here I was a 22 year old girl, I say woman. Um, and I honestly was asking, is this really as good as it's going to get? And, and I, I felt a little weird as that young searching for that, but I realized so many people, no matter what age they are, are asking that question. And, and just because you're not at that, your birthright is joy, and, you know, this beautiful love of being present in the present moment. If you're clear in what you don't want and asking those questions, for me, that is so pivotal to be able to start to change. And I know you talk a lot about confidence as well. And how can, without confidence, we can get stuck in, in the starting and which blocks our potential actually blocks us from any change at all so I guess I would love to hear your take on that and how how do we get unstuck and kind of slowly but surely start start yeah start that forward motion onto a yeah. pathway that really is fulfilling and I think it is really easy to get you know to get stuck and um you know that story that you were sharing as well because we're meaning expectations and, and women are particularly prone to that. 
It's like people pleasing and just, is that the target? I will work to the target and I will get there and then I will have achieved. And then there's that kind of what now? And you want to, somebody's put another one. Um, and I think it is that, um, you know, you can have a certain amount of confidence as long as it's attached to achievement of targets. And what we want to do is to have more of an intrinsic um, confidence. And that is really born of, you know, some core ingredients, um, which is, you know, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and knowing why you want it. And you would think that those are really simple questions. And the older we get, it seems like, of course, I know who I am. You know, how could I not know who I am? Um, that would be hugely embarrassing if I'd reached whatever age, 32, 42, 52, and not know who I am. Most people don't. They don't know really who they truly are and they don't know what they want. They just fulfill roles. Um, you know, they get a job. Maybe, you you know, somebody may be in the situation that you were describing would have taken a different um, path ultimately and they would have gone, this feels very uncomfortable. I don't want to explore this. I'll get a job and then there'll be tasks and then there'll be jobs to do and then there'll be targets and, and that will distract me. So most people are just distracted constantly and life is built around distracting you. I mean, the top, I think I read somewhere in, I think it's the top 25 websites in the world are built around distraction, you know, and we're distracting ourselves from discomfort. And we're doing that by, you know, shopping, you know, gaming, um, watching Netflix, the, you know, and a lot of money is being made off of our discomfort, although we think we're, you know, just catching up on the news. Um, so I think it's like asking yourself, giving yourself again the space to explore what the answer to those questions are. Because if I am confident, um, that means I know who I am. I know why I'm in any room. If I know who I am, what I want and why I want it. And my life is very intentional. So there's behaviors that we associate with being confident, like a oh, great confident speaker. Or somebody will have, you know, executive presence or they will appear very confident. But it is, I believe, really just this inner knowing so that you feel very anchored. And so whatever is happening externally is something that you can almost, um, you observe, you can engage with where it serves you. Um, but you stand steady in the storm because you take, you know, this, you're very connected to, again, to the higher self, which is language I'm sure that your listeners are very familiar with. And I so I, when I'm teaching somebody and, and coaching somebody around confidence, we, we do a number of things, but one of those is doing a lot of deep values work so that they understand, yeah, this is who I am. This is who I am as a friend. This is who I am as an entrepreneur. This is who I am as a sister, as a daughter, as a colleague. You know, what are these qualities of being and doing that I wish to make manifest in my life through action? What are those? When you get those clear, they are, you know, they're real guiding lights for, for how you show up. And you don't get that from hitting a target. Amen. I think this quote popped into my head, um, but I'll adapt it for us. Um, a woman who enjoys the process and the journey rather than the destination is a woman who cannot be stopped. 
Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. So powerful. And it is that trusting the process, isn't it? Yeah. You know, life is a process. And I'm always um, kind of a little bit morbid, some people think, but I'm very aware of death in a really positive way. Um, and I think um, I... I like to get people to do an exercise as well where I ask them to, you know, attend their funeral um, to really get them focused on the brevity of this journey, um, but also the legacy that they want to leave. Because it's like, you know, when I was in my 20s, it was always like, oh, yeah, I'll be happy when, you know, I don't know, when I weigh whatever, or when I get that job, or when these conditions, or if I were sitting in a you know, in a cafe in Paris with the perfect boyfriend, you know, just beside the Seine, then I'd be happy. But there was always this conditional happiness and it just sort of changes. You know, I'd be happy if my husband were a little this. I'd be happy if my kids were that. I'd be, And it is, you know, a choice in, in the moment. And I think when you do this postponing of happiness um, and, and feeling joyful, you know, you rob yourself of your life before you, you know, it's a form of death before death comes and I feel like take somebody to their funeral and I say write it right now as if as if you died today what would people say about you what would that eulogy be and that normally scares the heck out of people because they're not living the life that they're really here to live they're not kind of they're not in um, alignment with their gifts they're not expressing themselves in their full majesty they're, they're detached and they're avoidant and they're stepping back and they're letting doubt get in the way. So take somebody to their funeral and that will kind of wake them up a bit. And then so that is like phase one, which kind of makes people feel pretty, pretty worried, but kind of energized at the same time. Like, I don't want it to be that. And then invite them to say, OK, now you have fully expressed the majesty of who you truly are. You have lived all that you could live and done all that you would dream of and that you know deep inside that you are capable of, even if you don't say it to anyone. Now write that eulogy and, and describe that funeral. Who's there? Anyone can be there. You know, Oprah could rock up for you. You know, it can be whoever you want, you know. Um, and that's exciting. And I think that's about, you know, building a life, you know, that you dare to dream that you can have if you are allowed to really connect in, if you allow yourself to connect into your magic. And it should be scary because you're going, oh, now that I've actually identified it, now that I've actually written it and expressed it, now I might actually have to do something about it. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yeah, for me, shifts I've made in my mind about, you know, fear slash anxiety it's really anxiety for me is just excitement with a lot of fear mixed in and that the fear is okay because it's telling me that I'm afraid of the unknown. It's, it's trying to protect me. I I'm, I'm about to go beyond what I've ever done before. You know, my growth has stopped at this point and my anxiety and that fear is trying to hold me back because it's trying to protect me. You know, it's there, the monkey mind, if you will, the ego is there to make sure I don't walk in front of a busy street. 
that I wait to go down to the crosswalk. Well, it's the same thing when you try new things. And I always have to remind myself. And for me, it doesn't matter if I am, I, I've repelled down like a 30 story building before <laughs> and I don't like flights. I don't like heights, but it's about that overcoming and that process of doing the scary things, doing the hard things, especially when you write your, your fully expressed life obituary, that transformation, that mutation of fear, it, it, it always blows my mind, the amount of freedom, the amount of love, the amount of expansion that I feel on the other side. And it doesn't matter if I quote unquote, achieve what I'm trying to do. It's just the act of trying and that whole process that I brought up a few minutes ago that once you, you know, the cheesy quote, everything you ever wanted was on the other side of fear. Yeah, yeah. And it's exactly as you described, it's like the same physiology. And I really, you know, try and get people into their, you know, body when they are, you know, people can be very cerebral um, and they're talking about confidence. So, you know, tell me the tools and techniques, Emer. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll think themselves into action. And I'm like, you know, I don't think you will. But anyway, um, so you want to get people really into their body. But when you're talking about excitement versus anxiety, um, it, you know, it's, it's framing, isn't it? Yes, there's fear. Um, but the physiology is the same. And there was, I was just reading a book yesterday um and it was about this um study that was done at the university of pittsburgh i think it was and they were researching just this distinction between anxiety and excitement and um they took a group of students and they split them in two and for half of them you know they told them to um you know they were going to have them do a mental mathematical exercise in public um and uh, before they would to do it, they told one group to, you know, express verbally um, their anxiety, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. Um, and then they had the other group and they were to express, I'm excited, I'm excited. And, you know, no measurable difference in the ability, mathematical ability of these students. So that was kind of um, factored out. But the group that had um, verbalized, I am excited, I'm excited, performed 30% better. Um, than the group that said I'm anxious so it, it, it really is very interesting you know that people are actually collecting data on it and when I'm you know when, when we said at the beginning you know that I'm, a, I'm an energy coach you know we talk about the seven levels of consciousness so I coach through seven levels of energy and when you think energetically about those two statements I'm anxious that's a very low energy level you know it's you know it's kind of victim it's happening to me. I can't. I'm not enough. That's sort of a level one in my language of, of energy. Whereas I'm excited is somebody who's in this opportunity level of energy, which on my scale would be like a level five of seven. So they're like opportunity is everywhere. It's a win-win situation. I'm excited. You know, you show up differently. Your energetic presentation is different. And when your energetic presentation is different, your access and, you know, mental capacity to problem solve isn't burdened and, and your performance is, is going to be enhanced. So it's, you know, really these tangible results from something as simple as, you know, that reframe that gives you an energetic shift 
that equates to a different outcome. It's powerful. I, I forget his name. I'll do a link in the show notes. I just watched a podcast this week too, but these are not coincidences. You're just reading a book about this either. Um, just stop saying negative things. He said, it's hard for most people to shift from negative to positive, but even if you just shift from stop saying the negative things to only saying neutral or positive, the results are astounding. He's, he's like more of a sports psychologist type and he coaches world athletes and he sees a clear difference, just like you said, in the athletes before a big um, final match or game that, that say things like, I hope I don't fumble the ball or I hope I, you know, don't do this versus if you just don't say it, the results are different. So that was really interesting to me because I'm always about, oh, we got to shift it to the positive, higher vibration. But even if holding this neutrality, if even if you can't get, you know, to the excitement, even if you can get to the neutral point, it's um, of that polarity, I think it is just equal, seems to be pretty powerful as well. Um, I wanted to shift the conversation because I know we, we t- I started off saying we were going to talk about boundaries. We kind of haven't talked about boundaries yet. So here's my boundary. I'm putting it down. (laughs) We're going to talk about boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we're in, you know, it's, it's not a big sort of leap from, from where we're talking when we, when we speak about, you know, creating space, when we speak about confidence, when we're speaking about worthiness Um, and we're looking at, um, you know, how people are showing up in in their lives and there was um there was this really funny tiktok the other day that i was watching and it was the epitome of somebody who had no boundaries it got an extraordinary number of views um i think it might have been over 10 million this girl telling the story of her appalling date which you know where she went and you know he asked um you know she said we'll go to dinner and she's going okay i like food and you know then it was like well you know, where will we meet? Oh, why don't you come pick me up at my house? Oh, okay. Picked her up. He, she picks him up. She, he says, we're going to Taco Bell. He, he says they're going to drive through. He orders a hundred tacos. He's forgotten his wallet. You know, she pays for everything, you know? So it was just this, you know, just comical, crazy scenario that she just was never saying no. She was never kind of going, this is not okay. She was almost like in this trance and it really kind of, this girl, you know, I need to send her a link to, to my course on, you know, on boundaries. Cause she really has, she's like the biggest challenge. Um, it is about this comfort um, that we have with saying what's okay, what's not okay. And what it is that I want. And when we were talking about confidence before and the root of it being knowing who you are, what you want, why. And so when we're looking at boundaries, lots of people who are, you know, automatically saying yes. When I was doing research for my course, it was like people going, well, you know what, Emer, the yes is out before I've even fully processed the question or considered my own wants, needs or schedule. Um, and people are so habituated to um, making other people feel comfortable um, and uh, making sure everyone else is happy and their needs are taken care of. Um, and it's not just a female thing, although that we're often viewed as the carers and, and people who will, 
put our, our needs last, but there are, you know, it's just discomfort. It's, I'm not just interested in teaching somebody to be able to make, you know, to establish a boundary. I want you to actually enjoy doing it because I used to be very much like, no, like very, you know, quite brutal. No, like it was like, you know, it had no elegance to it at all. And it was effective, but it wasn't great at, you know, from the relationship perspective, it's like, oh, and in the workplace, it's like, oh, she's a bit difficult or, you know, not a team player, you know, these kind of labels of death. So it's about being able to, you know, state, decide very clearly what, what you're going to say yes to um, and to communicate that in a way that you feel comfortable and confident in doing so and that the, it is a way to enhance a relationship as well. And I think a really core thing about boundaries that people can have a bit of a like, wow, aha moment about it as well. If they're really, um, the real people pleaser who's been doing it forever and is very, you know, just kind of thinks this is too much of a mountain to climb. This is just my um, sentence to this forever. Um, when we don't set a boundary, when we don't communicate a boundary, we are doing a disservice to the other person. Maybe the other person isn't, you know, creating a boundary where they need to, or they're overstepping yours, but you are depriving them of the learning experience of somebody establishing a boundary and for them to, you know, live with that and, and respond and respect that. Um, and I think that's, that's a key part as well that people, you know, there's our work that we need to do and there's other people's work that they need to do. And if we're overhelping when it's that kind of a boundary that we're setting, we're always saying yes to some, when we're overhelping somebody else, we're not necessarily doing them a favor at all. In fact, quite the opposite. And it is sort of like, how are you relating to that person? If you are always seeing them as the person who is the helpee and you're the helper, it is, it's not sort of level then it's kind of, um, yeah, I think we're kind of taking those other people's work and we disempower them. Maybe they want to be disempowered, but it isn't our job to do that. 100%. I can think of past relationships where it's like, yep, been there, done that. And I think for me, once I started waking up to those boundaries, I realized that some relationships that I thought were going to be long-term or lifetime mm. were stuck in that dynamic but I changed. Yeah. So for, for me, when I hear boundaries, it's probably because of my own past. <laughs> I think <laughs> sometimes, you know, that means leaving relationships, whether it's friendships, romantic, limiting family interactions when possible, you, you start to wake up to, oh, wow, I am that healer, helper in so many different aspects. I, and for me, regaining back my energy you know talking about energy being in a very very depleting relationship I realized it was sucking the life force out of me literally and if I stayed in it any longer I don't know what would have happened you know other than being miserable um and you I love how you describe yeah I love how you describe it as that life force and, and that energetic you know, depletion, because it is that. And I, I used to 
recognize that from, you know, that you've been in the company of somebody and then, you know, you later on somebody notice what's wrong with you and just I'm exhausted. And you, my husband used to be able to guess who I'd been with, you know, and, and I was like, some people are just not good for you and um, or only in small doses. And so when you really increase your self-awareness um, and you sort of really recognize what your own needs are, what your own values are, what you need to feel fulfilled, present and energized, um, then you're ready to make better choices. And then it's the kind of what I teach in, in the course, the elegant no course is the mechanics. Then once you've done, once we do that kind of base work, so you feel like, yes, okay, <laughs> this is what I need. This is why, and this is what it'll give me personally. And then it becomes the panic, the, the mechanics of, ele- you know, constructing that no in a way that you feel, you know, that it honors your values clearly communicates the boundary and the no and then the other part of the elegant no that kind of wraps it up is that you kind of share what you are available for you know this is kind of like this is what I need this is the no and this is what I can say yes to Um, and sort of wrapping it up like that I think really helps people um, and they can connect to that and feel like they can take ownership over it and then it just becomes a habit of the way that you communicate and the way that you move through your life and relationships. And I think what you find overall is that the quality of your relationships improves, your energy levels are you know, maintained and you have that life force, you have that energy um, to focus on the things that are really important and meaningful for you, rather than you being the servant to everybody else's life dreams and plans. Um, and you're kind of left there going, what am I doing with my life? And you know, and, and who do I have to show up for this evening that I really committed to four weeks ago and I don't want to go to, but I'll just show up anyway. No, that's not a way to live. Mm-mm. Definitely is not. And what I found, you know, whether it's boundaries, health crises, something that you've overcome in your life, you want to give back because you're reclaiming that life force, that wisdom. I mean, that's, The relationship I talked about was the main reasons why I started this show for almost four years ago was, you know, I was inspired to share my own healing journey and to have other people on to share theirs that, you know, and you don't know where you are right now. We we started the show this way. It's going to lead you exactly where you need to be. And you said it earlier is, you know, life is not happening to you. It's happening for you. So if you're in a a tough season of life in any area, just remember this is happening for you. And and maybe either take Emir's course or read her book, because those are two powerhouses that will help you start shifting into that path of where you need to go. But you're already here. That's the big secret. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really need to go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, she landed in a very, very powerful spot. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note, I think we're going to mic drop on that one. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we started to close the show down today? I know. I think that we've kind of covered a nice, we've taken a nice pathway, haven't we, through the kind of confidence landscape and, and boundaries and energy and really people connecting and to their own sense 
of worth and value. And I think for me, that's why I do the work that I do is really, it came from that place of, you know, wanting a better world for, for women. And I think that still, it is at the core of it still, is that there is so much more for each and every one of us to unlock and uncover and explore. And when I'm describing what I do, I often say to people that I, I really want people to remember who they are in all of their powerful magnificence. You know, the idea that you would believe that, that you are a powerful, magnificent force, you know, temporarily in physical form. Um, and I want people to be able to connect to that and that energy and that vision because you become getting unstuck, absolutely. And then you go to becoming unstoppable if you can connect to that. And I think that's what we're all here for. We're all here for that. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I show up for every single day, that exciting journey. Mm-mm-mm. I think of the, the Sia song, Unstoppable. It's one of my, my anthems. I'll have to post that in the show notes. Good. It's really great for the energy oh, shift. Oh yeah, isn't yeah, it? The energy shift. Yes, yes, yes. Dancing always brings me up. Um, but thank you, Emer, for coming on the show. It was so lovely to dive into all these topics. I feel like we could be talking for hours and days beyond this. But <laughs> thank you <laughs> for coming on, and we close out every single show by thanking you for all your wisdom and your time and your presence with us today. How may we, as an act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today? What I would like you to do is to take some mindful moments for yourself today and to just check in and ask yourself this one question. Am I honoring who I am and what I need today? And just allow whatever comes to come. Mm, And that would be wonderful. Beautiful. I think I'm going to do that after we pause record here so thank you so much Emer, for coming on it was such a pleasure chatting with you today thanks for having me really enjoyed our time together and remember open up surrender trust and let your body lead